today and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Hey, how's it going? Can you put that picture up of that guy, Wayne? I met this guy the other day. When I, was in, uh, when I was in New Orleans, I didn't meet him. I just got to listen to him wail on the saxophone. And uh, he was a super cool cat. And uh, I could feel the teenage version of myself wanting to be him. And, uh, and he, was the, you know, he was the lead sax player in B.B. King's House of Blues in New Orleans. And, uh, man, you know, it was, you know, it, I just felt like getting out of my chair and worshipping the Lord in this in this place because isn't it amazing that you know when you see beauty and you know God you want to acknowledge God for beauty don't you and I want to encourage you this morning that that um, that wherever you see beauty look for God because sometimes there's brokenness you know in the in the midst of the in the midst of the beauty but don't miss the beauty because we are all created in God's image and when something good happens let's acknowledge the giver of all that is good and uh, you know so, and you know and after after we went to this you know we we went we were in New Orleans for a few days um, three of the guys from church Jamie and Nathan and Anthony and we're looking at uh, recording studios and live music to inspire what will be revealed behind that wall in about a month's time. And, uh, and it was an amazing time. And we, when I was in New, New Orleans, I was inspired and devastated at the same time because I saw creativity like I'd never seen before and I saw immorality like I'd never seen before. And, and I, I, I was, it, was, it did me in a little bit. I, there was a tension there. And we went, went to this place. And then, and then on the way out of town, when we left that place, it was a Sunday and we stopped in at a church called Franklin Street Baptist Church. And uh, we were the only white souls in the church that day. Again, another church. And, uh, you know, we were, we were inspired by a bunch of people in a town that, that is um, that's struggling with its morality. And these, these guys in this church, man, they, were, they deeply loved the things of God. And the same, it's interesting, the same reaction that I had in this B.B. Um, King's House of Blues, I had in this church because I heard the creativity of the children of God sung out. And I thought, this is starting to do my head in, that I'm inspired you know, by the things of the world and I'm also inspired by the things of God. And there's a tension that I believe that we need to acknowledge in the house. And, and, and the question for me, I want to ask you this morning, is what gets you out of your seat? What gets you out of your seat? I know when I'm watching the football and my team kicks a goal. Last night, my team was trapped, not the Australians. Let's just leave that to the side. But my team, those beautiful eagles you know, from the West Australia, were, were trailing those, um, those poor lost souls from the greater Western Sydney. And when our team got to level pegging, I stood up out of my chair because just to acknowledge the fact that we we've done something great. What gets you out of your chair? You know, is, does the king of all kings get you out of your chair? You know, I know in Australians we pride ourselves that the greatest, you know, show of emotion that we do is a bit of a head nod. How's it going? 
Or to mix it up, we do it the other way. How's it going? You know what I mean? I like the up nod, not the down nod. You know, you've got to choose which one's yours and make it your own in Australia. We've got to own our ability to not show any emotion but also acknowledge a moment. But I want us to be a different people. I want us to, to, to show the world that, that we actually are stirred up by this king of all kings. You know, I, I, I love that verse in, in 2 Corinthians, in verse 3.18, but we, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. God wants to transform us. He wants to transform us from glory to glory. He doesn't want us to rest. He doesn't want us to be caught in moments of trying to not show emotion, not trying to, 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 um, to express what we feel when we acknowledge the King of all kings. He wants us to acknowledge him. He wants us to stand up. He wants us to reach out. He wants us, he wants us to see like we've never seen before. He wants us to be able to be in the darkest place on earth and see his image in the people there and speak to that image. And we've got this plebiscite coming up. We open the church to talk about it in a few weeks' time. We need to, we need to be able to look in the face of things that we disagree with and see that, that every person who calls this planet home is created in the image of God and his goodness resides in them. How good is God? How do we behold the glory of God? Well, I think it begins with us beginning to get to know him. Who is our father? He's the prince of peace. The bright of morning stars, the captain of the armies, is the king of kings. He's the lord of lords. He's the shepherd. He's the provider. He's our savior. He's our healer. He's our hiding place. What part of your life doesn't an aspect or a part of God's nature serve greatly every day? He's our strength. He's the most high. He's the ancient of days. He's the king of glory. He's the door. He's the bridegroom. He's the great high priest. Who is he to you? Who is God to you today? What were you when were you were worshiping? Worshipping the king of all kings today. Who are you worshipping? He is the door. He's the bridegroom. He's the king of glory. He's the great high priest, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the lion of Judah. Wow. He's the bread of life, a consuming fire. He's faithful, holy. He's the rock of our salvation. He's the deliverer. How good is our God? How good is our God? Do you believe it, church? You know, I, I, don't, I don't know, but I, I, you know, I want the spirit of, of worship to ooze out of every one of my pores. He's the light of the world. He's the redeemer. He's our dwelling place. He's our fortress, our stronghold. He's our tower of refuge. Come on, church. You know, I, as, I, as I walk through my life, I've created an art form of zero emotion. And uh, I think it's, it's something to be acknowledged, you know. I think it's quite a powerful thing to be able to be, to be able to walk through life and to take the hits and not react. The problem is, is when it comes to worship, when it comes to declaring the goodness of God to, to those around me and to the community that I live in, it actually is a real hindrance. Not only is it a hindrance to my worship, but it's a hindrance to my creativity. 
He's our shield. He's wonderful counsellor, the chief cornerstone, the true vine, wisdom, Messiah, Lamb of God, servant, faithful witness. Abba, Father, the great I am, the word, the way, the truth, the life, the resurrection, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Does the list have an end of how good our God is? Who are you worshipping? Who are you worshipping when you get out of bed on Monday morning? Who is your Father? He is everything. He is above all. He is in all. He is through all. And He is in you all. And as we learn who our Father is, we begin to see him everywhere. We begin, to see, we begin to see his beauty in everyone. You know, I was listening to this most magnificent music in, uh, in New Orleans. I was reminded of um, Larry Norman. There's a couple of Larry Norman fans in the church, I'm sure. If you've met Mark over here, he can sing every, uh, every Larry Norman song. He could put a concert on for us one day, I think. But Larry Norman wrote a song called, uh, Why Should the Devil Have All the Good Music? And, uh, and I'm sitting there and I'm reminded of this song and I'm thinking, well, the devil um, doesn't have all the good music because all music is created by someone who was created by God. And they just haven't acknowledged God for the gift. Now, I, I, you know, I'm caught in this tension because we want to be a church that creates. And I'm sitting in this place, this community of people called New Orleans, and I'm seeing a creativity that, that uh, is, is quite inspiring. And yet I walk down Bourbon Street, and it's, the depravity of this one street in this town is quite insulting to my spirit, man. And this tension is disrupting me. And, I was, and I'm seeking God. You know, uh, this, this guy disrupted me. He, he disrupted me because he was, he was so cool, so cool, so talented, so creative, and made sounds that just that stirred me to the point that I wanted to stand up and acknowledge the King of Kings. And I thought, I'm not in church. I'm in B.B. King's House of Blues. Today I want to read two miracles from the Gospels. One from Mark and one from Matthew. One about loving yourself and one about loving your neighbour. Let's read Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 52. Let me help you love yourself a little bit and then we'll worry about our neighbour after that. Because the Bible says, love your neighbour as you love yourself. So I'm just going to help you to love yourself because if you don't know how to give some love to yourself, then what you give to your neighbor may not be love. It may be what you're giving yourself, which could be something totally different. Mark 10, 46. As Jesus went out to Jericho with his disciples and had a great multitude and a blind man named Bartimaeus, he sat by the road begging. They called him blind Bartimaeus. When he heard that It was Jesus coming. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. People told him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him. uh, So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man saying, be of good cheer, Bartimaeus. He's heard you and he's calling you. Throwing, he says, rise, he's calling you. Throwing aside his garment, his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And throwing aside his garment, 
He rose. Oh, hang on, I've missed a bit. And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and then he followed Jesus on the road. See, blind Bartimaeus couldn't make himself see. All he could do is put himself in the pathway of Jesus. You see, I want to suggest to us this morning that we cannot make ourselves righteous. We cannot make ourselves free. We cannot make ourselves healed or pure. All we can do is get in the pathway of Jesus and seek his liberty, seek his hope, seek his freedom and seek his righteousness. I want to start a freedom movement in this church. I don't want to get caught in trying to be free. I just want to start living free according to the gift that God has given us. You see, I think one of the greatest acts of worship that we can ever do is actually walk in the liberty that he's given us. I think we we, we accept Christ as our saviour and then we try to be perfect from that point on and we miss something. We miss that that our freedom is not based on our effort, it's based on his effort. And if all of your energy is, is you trying to be good, then all your creativity is put into that space and not put into making beautiful music like our good friend on the screen. You see, I was sitting in New Orleans and I said, Lord, I need something. I need you to speak to me here because I'm in turmoil because we are the free ones and they're creating all the good music. And saying that, wasn't that Hosanna song that Jamie wrote this morning? Fantastic, by the way. See, this isn't an exclusive story. If we can walk in his freedom, we can create. And it's not just about music. It's about your business. It's about your family. It's about your community. It's about our government. We need the people of God to be the most creative people on the planet. We need to be walking free because the solutions that are going to to create disciples out of our nations need to come from the people of God. I want to suggest to you that if we can spend less time trying to make ourselves righteous and more time getting in the pathway of Jesus, we'll begin to see our lives transformed. It's a crazy thought to stay, stop trying to be good and start trying to be in the, in the life of Christ. It's a scary thing to say that in a church because what if people stop being good? It's risky, isn't it? It's risky when we take the boundaries away and replace it with a relationship. I remember another scripture in the Bible talking about these two trees in the garden. One of them was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil and one of them was the tree of life. And which one did he say don't eat of? He says don't partake of the knowledge of good and evil. He says it's not about right or wrong, it's about relationship. It's about life with me. And if if we are guided by life with him, then good and evil takes care of itself. And we have a church that's hungry and thirsty after his righteousness, then we no longer have to worry about our righteousness and then our creative energy is not consumed by trying to behave. It's consumed by relationship, which means we can create ideas that set nations free. The melodies coming out of this town of New Orleans will take your breath away. But the words to the songs that were so beautiful will take your purity away. 
You see, the difference between creativity in and outside of God's kingdom is one of them sounds good and blesses you in the moment and the other one blesses generation upon generation. See, if you get blessed in this moment, if you get encouraged or inspired or stirred in this moment but it has no link to your children's children, then it is too short term. It's not about God. It's all about you enjoying and living according to your impulses. But people follow creativity. People follow innovation, don't we? We love to follow business innovation. We love to follow medical innovation. We love to follow, you know, people will travel all over the world to go to the most creative places. They'll go to Milan. They'll go to Egypt. You know, they'll go and see the Great Wall of China. You know, they'll, go, they'll go to New York and see, and, 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 and see the, the innovation in that space. They'll go, they'll go to New Orleans and San Francisco and to Rome and to Paris. They'll go to the Louvre and see the most creative things they've ever seen. People are drawn to creativity. Wherever it is, we will seek it out because creativity is at the heart of God. What was the very first thing God did? He created. And we are in his image, so we're drawn to it. When we see someone creative, when we see someone innovate something, something new in, med, in the medical field, in, in the business field, in the tech field, I mean, how amazing is it that, that we walk around with, these, with this, this technology? I'm standing in Times Square you know, talking to my sister face to face who's in, in uh, Western Australia and, and, and I think this is an amazing privilege to be able to do this because some crazy guy back in the 70s you know, started building a computer in his garage and off they went. Here's the thing. Steve Jobs wouldn't allow anyone on his team unless they took acid. Because he knew that if your thinking is bound by your current earthly situation, you cannot create anything great for the future. There's some preaching by Steve Jobs. Here's the problem. The problem is, is that Steve Jobs would not let his children play with his iPad. Why is that? Because when we create things that are, that are not acknowledging the greatness of God, we're not seeing how they're going to impact the generations to come. There needs to be a creativity that comes out of the house of God that is of the highest level, that is not bound by the thinking of today's challenges, but that is anchored into eternal life and our children's children. If we can anchor ourselves to God, if we can understand his righteousness, we are free from our own, the burden of our own moment. See, why, are, why I, I, asked, I felt like the Lord opened my eyes to something. It's probably, probably blindly obvious to everyone else, but to me it was a revelation. I said, why are these people so creative, Lord? And, he, and I felt like he said, self-righteousness blinds creativity. Self-righteousness blinds creativity. So if you can get rid of trying to be self-righteous, you can think creatively. You can, you can think innovatively. Your business, your family, your music, your, your, your tech, your meta, whatever you are working on can thrive because you're not putting all your energy into trying to be righteous. And what, what happens in New Orleans is they have given away trying to be self-righteous. They are, they are saying... We're free. 
We can do whatever we want. The one thing is, as long as you are who you want to be, then you can create. And the crazy thing is, it works for them. But here's the problem. The flow-on effect of not acknowledging God in trying to not be self-righteous is that you cause depravity for generations to come. See, our job, this is the tension of the church. This is the tension of the people of God. Our job is to not try to be self-righteous, but to stay in relationship with the King of all kings. And when we're in relationship with Him, when we're eating of the tree of the life, not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then we begin to, to define our behavior by relationships, not by boundaries. God doesn't, because what do boundaries do? Yes, they help you to behave, but they limit your thinking at the same time. And God says, do not define your future by the boundaries. He says, I've come to fulfill the law. He says, it's no longer about you living according to boundaries. Now it's about you living according to relationship with me by the leading of the Holy Spirit into all truth and into creativity and into hope and into the fruit of the Spirit. Self-righteousness says, I'm not ready. It says, my identity is my purity. It says, when I am perfect, when I'm better at this, then I will reveal my true self to the world. When our identity is in our physical or our emotional or in our, beha- in our behavior in any way, our creative energy is pointed and directed into that space. When we look at the challenges that our nation faces, when we look at the, the things that are before you in your family, before you in your business, before you in your, in, your, in your dreams, when we look at those things that are before us, they require us to be innovative, to be creative. And what that in turn means is that we need to be anchored in relationship to the God of all creation. It's a scary thing though because there's a tension. Because what if, what if people in the church don't behave themselves? I don't know about you, but when I, when I am walking closest to God, my behavior is taken care of. I don't even have to think about it. When I am walking closest to my wife, my behavior is taken care of. When I'm left to my own devices, you know, I will eat anything that's in front of me. When I was in the U.S. with the boys, man, we ate ribs in the South, and pizza and hot dogs in the north. I didn't see a piece of lettuce until I got back to Australia. I like to think I'm healthy, but I realize that my health is defined by my relationships, not by the boundaries that I've decided are in my life. We're not that good. It requires so much of your energy trying to behave that you have not enough left to create solutions for the challenges that this world is facing. And God wants you to be the creators, the innovators of the solution. He wants John Northwood to be an innovator so that, so that he can carry his vision of two million kids' lives for Christ. How good was John Northwood last week? Let's give him a hand. Amazing work. Wow. Here's the battle. Every level of freedom requires an equal level of commitment. Every level of freedom requires an equal level of commitment. 
And this is the battle that we face in life, is we want to be free. Sometimes you come to church and you go, church doesn't feel free. And God's saying, yes, it, it, it is free. And it, 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 it does feel restrictive because it's a meeting and a meeting doesn't define your liberty. A meeting has a start and an end. A song has some words, you know, and you're stuck in those words until you get to the end of the song. Then you can start talking. You know, it's, it, it's a... You know, everything has a boundary. Everything has a limit. If you're an artist, there's boundaries. You know, the canvas, you can only paint to the edges of the canvas. If you get past that, then you're on the walls of the house. So what do we need? We need a commitment that goes along with our liberty. God wants us to think free, wants us to be free. But to walk in the next level of freedom, we need to walk in a deeper relationship with him which requires you to invest more of your time. We need to be like blind Bartimaeus. We need to put ourselves in the pathway of him. And when we put ourselves in his pathway, then we receive fresh sight so that we can follow him better. Bartimaeus, what did he do? He was blind, begging. He was doing all he could do. He was, he was begging so that, so that he could survive. He was begging so that he could have food on the side of the road. But when he heard Jesus of Nazareth was coming past, he yelled out. He got his attention. He got in his pathway. And when he got in his pathway, what did Christ give him? He gave him sight. And church, that's what we need. We need to see more clearly than we've ever seen before. We need to create more clearly. And what did he do with that sight? The first thing he did is he got up and continued to follow Jesus. See, he, he, we, we need to realize that the first level of freedom that we get, salvation or sight, when we begin to see clearly, what does that give us the, the sight to do? It, it, it enables us to follow Jesus more clearly. When, when God solves one problem... Do we, do we wipe our hands and walk away? Thank you, Lord. Hey, I got it from here. It's all good. Give him the nod. Cheers. Or the upward nod. Isn't it amazing that people can see more in you than you can see in yourself? Why? Because our identity gets caught in our behavior. When my identity is caught in my behavior, I am judging myself according to my behavior, but you're not. You're not bound by my behavior. You just see the gift of God in me. I see the gift of God in you more clearly than you do a lot of the time because you are caught in in the challenges and the mistakes and the surrounding around you. And God's saying, hey, loving ourselves means accepting God's grace and living free no matter what we've done. So we can act out the greatest act of worship, which is to live free of guilt and shame. Live free. No matter your past, no matter your mistakes, live free. Stand tall. Boldly enter his throne of grace, walk in and fresh every day. So our freedom movement, inspired by blind Bartimaeus, begins with figuring out where God is and then getting in his pathway. Tozer, I love how Tozer puts it in the pursuit of God. He says, it's where God's previous work meets man's present response. You see, God's done it. He's laid the pathway out. He's there. He's active. He's shown us where he's headed. We crack open his word and we see what he's up to. We see who he's working for. We see, you know, Jesus got up in the temple and read out of Isaiah, you know, and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Preach the gospel to the poor. Heal the brokenhearted. You know, we know where God is. Who knows that there's some broken hearts in our nation at the moment seeking to, be, seeking to figure out how, to, how that their lives will be complete if only they can get married. We, we, 
we think that, our, that a definition of who we are is found in our relationships on earth. It is not. It is found in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And let me tell you who are married here on... Your marriage does not define you. And if it does, you're in trouble. Because only God can define you so that you can walk free. Marriage is one of the greatest blessings that he's given us. Family is one of the foundations of the world. He uses husbands and wives to, to, to explain the relationship with, between Christ and the church. But let me tell you this, your liberty doesn't come from your earthly relationships. It comes from your relationship with him. Let's just look at one last miracle. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. This is how we're going to get in the pathway of Jesus. When they'd come to the multitude, a man came to Jesus, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said this, referring to his disciples. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. Wow, he's talking to us. He's talking to the, to the, to the disciples here. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and he came out of the child and the child was cured from that very hour. Jesus called the believers, he called his disciples unbelieving and perverse. That's pretty insulting, isn't it? When you're calling the believers unbelievers and you're calling the, the supposedly righteous ones perverse. Here's the revelation. Unbelieving simply means not close enough to God. Perverse simply means too close to the world. So when Jesus says to his disciples, you unbelieving and perverse generation, he's saying, you are not close enough to me and you are too close to the world and this is why you couldn't cast out that demon. Isn't it interesting that, you know, we, we faced, you know, we're facing at the moment our, our brother Jaden's um, cancer and we, are, we fasted and we prayed. You see, the reality of life is that we get distant from God and too close to the world. And when things get big, we need to redefine who our relationships are. We need to get closer to God and we need to distance ourselves from the world. So Jesus' disciples came to Jesus afterwards privately and said, Lord, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible to, for you. However, this kind does not go out except by what? By prayer and fasting. What does prayer do? Prayer gets us closer to God. What does fasting do? Fasting distances us from the world. 
unbelieving and perverse generation. We are not close enough to God and too close to the world. And he challenges us in prayer and in fasting. We need to get closer to God. How do we do that? We pray. We need to distance ourselves from the world. How do we do that? We do that by fasting. If we want to see great things happen in the house of God, if we, want to, if we want to see things move, if we want to get in the pathway of God, we've got to get closer to Him and get distance from the world. We've got to not be so in love with the impulses of this body and with what these natural eyes say, and we need to get closer to God in prayer and seek out what He's up to, get in His pathway so that we can see clearly and we can touch people and we can see people set free of cancer. We can see eyes opened. We can see businesses thrive. We can see nations get set free. We're not worried about everyone else's marriage. We're standing and declaring before the whole world, this is what the great marriage is that the Lord speaks of when He says, man and a woman shall leave their mother and father and become one. This is what becoming one looks like. It looks like first, getting close to God. Second, it looks like distancing ourselves from the world. How good is God? There is a, Job 32 says this, there is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty gives him understanding. We need the inspiration of the Almighty. We need to stir up the spirit that is in each of us. We need to stir up that spirit that is in each of us. We need to be inspired by the things of God. We need to lay down trying to be perfect and we need to take up relationship with him. How do we do that? We get close to God. We distance ourselves from the world. We don't distance ourselves from loving the people of the world. We distance ourselves from having our heart connected to the world so that we can stand in B.B. King's House of Blues and worship God as we listen to a, ch- a creation of God wailing on the saxophone. How good is God? He's everywhere. You know, when you begin to know God, when you begin to, to gaze on His face, when you begin to see Him, you see Him everywhere. You see Him in everybody. You see Him even in our politicians. He's there. Even if, you know, none of them actually Australians anymore. They all seem to, all of a sudden, be from other countries. I like Bill's word this morning. How good was, was, was uh, Bill's word this morning? You know, hey, make sure your citizenship is anchored in heaven. Hey, we're not dual citizens. We're citizens of one place. Citizens of heaven. What are we doing here? The Bible says we are ambassadors. We're ambassadors. We are here on kingdom business. What do we say? We say what our king tells us to say. Just having a Miles Monroe moment there. Why doesn't, why doesn't the band jump up? Look. The greatest thing that you can do is walk in the will of God. The safest place you can be is in the will of God. You just need to find out what the will of God is. And I want to just throw it out to you. How about a bit of prayer and fasting in your life? Now, not constant fasting, because, you know, eventually you need to eat. How's about this? If you want a challenge on fasting, every week fast something different for the rest of the year. One thing. Fast talking to your husband for a week. Fast TV. Fast social media. Fast food, not fast food. Fast, fast food. Coffee, for those people who have that sort of problem. 
Why do we do that? Because we're not trying to distance, we're not, you know, all of these things are created by God. We're not trying to say that they're bad. We're trying to say that our ownership is not here, it is here. You see, it's not about, it's not, a, see, I think we can spend our so, so much of our lives trying to distance ourselves from the world that the world never gets to see us anymore. We need to be faithfully present in the world, but separated from it in our hearts. I love, I love, I've quoted him all the time, Tozer. You love his other, his quote, he says, I've given you all these things to use and enjoy. Use them, enjoy them, create in them, do great things, but never let them possess your heart. Your heart wholly and solely belongs to me. Church, I don't want to hear from the lips of anyone that I am not creative, that I am not innovative because you are created in the image of the creator. Creation is in you. The ideas that are going to bless your family, your business, this community, your school, wherever you are, there is a creative thought rising up in you and it's going to stir up as we get closer to God and separate ourselves, separate our hearts from being defined by our situation. Why don't you stand with me this morning? What's going to get you out of your chair this week? What's going to get you to stand up and say, come on, God. Come on. It's time we started to gaze upon him like a mirror and allow him to transform us from glory to glory. It's time we acknowledge the Prince of Peace, the bright and morning star, the captain of the armies, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the way, the truth, the life. It's time we acknowledge the stretch, the broad, the creativity of the Creator and allowed it to manifest in our lives. The creativity in you is what's going to bring hope. People follow creativity. And there is the creativity that is in God's people is a creativity that will bless generations to come. It will be enjoyable in the moment and it will bless generations to come. It will have words that edify. It will have sax solos that wail like there's no tomorrow. You know, it was only a few weeks ago that was the anniversary of our beloved brother Bruno's passing. And I got, a, I got a, a, um, some of his songs on my mix at home from, and Bruno, man, he could wail on the sax. He was a man full of creativity, set free. He wasn't bound by trying to be righteous. He was bound to relationship with the king of all kings. And he was free to create. And he was free to wail and to inspire and to set other people free. Now this morning, let's just give God all the glory. Let's thank him for what he's about to do in us. Let's thank him for the stirring that's in our hearts. You know, I'm going to open, the, open this front for prayer as we do. If you, you know, we, we want you to know Christ as your saviour. Because church is not a place that you come to learn how to behave. Church is a place where you come to worship together and to connect with the Heavenly Father. God wants to connect with you today.
like he's never connected with you before. He wants you to have a moment with him. He wants you to be stirred and inspired and he wants you to go home and he wants you to write that book. He wants you to write that business plan. He wants you to create that date night with your husband or with your wife. He wants you to create that meal you've been dreaming about. He wants you to write that song. He wants you to stir yourself up and he wants you to change a nation and give him glory in the process and bless the generations to come.